Hey, New Orleans Pelicans fans, welcome back to the Protect the Nest podcast with me, your host, Chris Dotson, over at Forbes Sports covering the Pelicans and the Saints, and over at Music Movies and Hoops covering the rest of the NBA, WNBA College, South Coast Swish, down to Coach Rory over at Delgado, Coach Sean Dumas over at Crescent City Christian, the rest of what I can do for the boot. And, you know, I mean, and it goes up to even the Bob Pettit. How could I forget about the Bob Pettit articles? So y'all go check that out if you're into old Bob Pettit. NBA legend, one of the best 75 players to ever play the game, right here in Baton Rouge. A season ticket holder of the New Orleans Pelicans, LSU legend. Would really appreciate y'all going and checking. It's two different ways of looking at the 10 minutes, 15 minutes I got to talk to him the other day. It was a really great opportunity. I got goosebumps doing it. The story over at Forbes is a little bit more straightforward, what he's doing as an ambassador for the NBA. And the story I did about it uh, is over at Music Movies and Hoops. It's got a whole lot more of a personal touch and what he said about watching basketball, watching movies, and uh, what he thinks about the Pelicans and Louisiana basketball in general, how this culture is really, really blowing up and how it's, it's kind of been overlooked. And I'll let you, like I say, go, go, go read. I might eventually release some of them clips as a podcast and let you hear all the names he mentioned. But... And he, and he forgot a few like Bo McCaleb and Kendall Dyke, some of the newer generation. And you got to forgive him for that. But he also didn't know who Drake was. That's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. And that's kind of what we got to say about this Pelicans team. Looking at this first road, uh, first first game of the season, his first home loss of the season. It was again kind of disjointed defense at the end. Team just kind of gave up and watched Bi. But it wasn't it wasn't the same kind of give up. It was more, it was a little bit different. It wasn't the same give up as the fans who went on a mass exodus out the building with seven, eight minutes left to go. But that just happens. It's going to happen to every team. Every team in this league is going to lose by 20. We talked about it last podcast. It just happened to the Pelicans on the first game of the season. It felt like we really played well at halftime. The third was slow, mostly due to Jonas Valanciunas missing like all of his shots, 1,001 shots, one for every Dalmatian. Uh, but he looked completely exhausted because he was chasing Joel Embiid around the entire half court, playing defense. Joel's raining threes, hitting them goofy ones off the backboard in the first half. And you just got to assume that Jonas is going to look a lot better when he's not playing against perhaps one of the best, if not the best player in the game, especially the best big man in the game. I think everybody would take Embiid over Carl Anthony Towns at this point, and, and that's just because of what he's accomplished. And Beads went further in the playoffs. Cats just not done what I guess I expected him to do in Minnesota, especially once he got some help. But they haven't been a fully together team through injuries, just like the Pelicans. And we're going to have to go and we play against Chicago and then two at Minnesota. We're going to have this same battle with Jonas against one of the best big men in the league in just a few games. However, it was a t- like I felt it, was, it might not be that far of a stretch to say it was a total flop in the fourth quarter. The morale seemed to drop as soon as Philly started raining all those threes. Everybody start guarding, uh, stop guarding. There was just a little less energy to get in the passing lanes. There was a little less energy to cut through the paint. They just kind of let Bi do everything by himself, and it it, it kind of felt like we went right back to the Stan Van Gundy game there at the end. And I'm hoping that was just rust. That's just muscle memory getting out of some of these players. And by playing a little bit more, they'll get experienced as a team. And they'll be able to keep this game close 
And then unlike last year, they'll actually be able to close them out late. So like I say, it looked like we played very well up to halftime, even going in there. And it, it didn't seem like it, but both of these teams made 13 threes. The difference was Philly's bench just knew what they were doing. The Pels bench looked lost. They went into late in the game with only five bench points. It was it was ridiculous. Jonas, again, he had the worst game of his career, possibly. And he's got the toughest assignments to start this Pelican season. He's got Joel. Then he's going to have Vucevic in, in, in Chicago. Then he goes to Minnesota. And he's going to have to face off against Carl Anthony Towns twice, back-to-back -back nights. It, it, that, you can't draw a tougher four-game assignment, I think, as a big man coming to a new team than Jonas Valanciunas. Y'all, be patient with him. He's going to eventually really feast, I think, against some of the lesser competition. I think he'll do well when we play against Memphis and he goes against Steven Adams. That'll be one of his you know, matchup tests that everybody's watching. And I think he's going to pass that test with flying colors. It's not going to be the same as what he went through last night against Philly. And like I say, just be patient with Jonas. And the same goes for Brandon Ingram not getting any damn free throws. I mean, come on. He didn't go to the line not once. Not one single whistle despite him attacking the rim multiple times against very aggressive defenders. They were really playing B.I. tight because they knew he was our really our only option. Or at least our, he was our focal point. Like, Devontae and... Nikhil went off, but Brandon Ingram was still going to be the focal point of this offense. And he was attacking. He, he hit that gear. And he still never got a whistle. And that might be chalk it up to these early season games being super weird if you want to. But come on. This is one of them games. This is That's kind of the biggest knock I have against Willie Green this game. Besides that he left Trey Murphy in the corner and didn't really move him around, position him well, get him in positions to succeed but when Ingram's not getting calls like he he would you got to go out there and take a technical for the team you got to take that technical so that the refs at least give him a call in the next two minutes and, and just give you the makeup and the acknowledgement of, okay we understand and then they go look at the scoreboard oh yeah Ingram's been going through all that maybe they did get one wrong they'll give you one and that really just takes up for the technical and the possession but at least you get the acknowledgement. You get the respect. And as a first-time head coach, Willie Green has got to go out and get that respect, both from his team, his players, the other coaches, the refs, everybody. Because let's face it, this team's going to be in it. They're, they're playing hard. They're like that summer league team that went undefeated. They're playing hard for Willie right now. But that try-hard stuff only lasts so long when you start off with a 20-point loss. And then you go into a three-game road trip where you could you could lose all three of them. Losing to the Chicago Bulls and Minnesota Timberwolves right now would not be uh, unfathomable. I mean, you could even be looking at a two and nine start after eleven games. One and ten is probably more likely than ten and one at this point. Uh, even a nine and two start. So when you start looking at this schedule. You got the guys, they, they can give you all the excuses from last night. And it was crazy performance by Philly hitting all them threes. But jo and Jonas will never play that bad again. And you can have all those excuses. But will Graham shoot that well every night? Will Nikhil stay this great, this consistent, and, and just do this every night? Or will he go back to maybe a hot and cold sort of thing? And when you look at the stats, yeah, the stat sheet's great. But it depends what night you get from him. 
that that's part of his consistency and showing what he can do going into trying to sign a contract extension next summer. How is this team going to hold up until Zion comes back? You know, that that's a big question. Willie Green's got to hold them together. We had I, – I was in Chris Connor's spaces. They had some differences of opinion on what was being chanted, but even Andrew Lopez tweeted out that there was fans yelling, we want Simmons, not where is Simmons. So depending on how that's being taken and how this, this – there's going to be some pressure on this team. They do not want to see them bottoming out again. But start looking at the schedule. Again, Chicago, Minnesota twice. Say we say we lose all three of them games as they try and jail. You come home, you got to play Trey Young at Atlanta. That's going to be a tough one to take off, and that one's on ESPN. Then you got, again, Sacramento at home. Then the Knicks at home. We should beat Sacramento. We beat them last year. We finished in the same. That's going to be your battle, and that's who you're battling for that play-in spot. The Knicks, that's going to be a tough one. But then, again, you go on the road for three more games. Phoenix, NBA Finals. Like, that, that, that's, that's, the, that's the standard right now. Willie Green knows this because that's where he come from. We're playing them on TNT. It's Willie Green's homecoming back to Phoenix. How will his, this Pelicans team look under his tutelage? And then they travel to Sacramento. Again, playing play rival, but it's their home court. Home court's worth at least a few points. Will the Pelicans travel well under Willie Green? They got Golden State after that and Dallas both on the road. Come back and you got Oklahoma City, a home game November 10th. Imagine that we don't win our second game till November 10th. And two nights later, we, we bring in Brooklyn with KD and Harden. And now you again against some of the top-level teams. How, how will this team look going from the Eastern Conference challenger that is Philadelphia to the other challenger, the top end that's Brooklyn, they got they got right out a month or half a month to show a little bit of growth, and and they then this team's gonna start getting a little bit more of a people are gonna how would I put it how would I put it. People's perceptions are really going to start becoming more hardened about what this team is. If you want to see, and it's going to be a lot of confirmation bias, if you want to see hope in this team and they've won some games, you're going to see a lot of hope. But if you're one of the skeptics and this team is 4-7, and 4-9, 5-12, and they're still just lingering on, hoping that Zion can come help them push them back into that 10th and 9th seed, those critics are going to get louder. I think some of the, I mean, if you were at the stadium, that that upper bowl is going to stay empty. They they won't be packing the place out because there's just going to be a lot more pessimist around this team than optimist until they start winning games. They have to start winning games, and I think they will win some games here early. I think they'll they'll stem the tide. They'll they'll they'll, they'll be able to hold on until Zion comes back. But they've got to play together more. I mean, Philadelphia for all their warts. For all they've fallen short of making it to the NBA Finals and all the Ben Simmons drama, they've played together a lot more than this Pelicans team, and they had the best player on the court, and that's not even an argument by anyone. You know what else people won't argue about now that we 10 minutes, 12 minutes into this, we made it a quarter of basketball into the podcast? Nobody, and I mean nobody, is going to argue about DraftKings Sportsbook being the best in the business. And if you're an NFL fan hungry for a big win this week, DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL, 
has you Saints fans covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, that bet, that $5 bet, wins you $200 in free bets at DraftKings Sportsbook. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. You can always play for huge cash prizes if all this isn't available in your state yet. If you're listening to Louisiana, it's coming soon. So get with DraftKings either way. They're always giving new customers a free shot at a millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. All kind of games, daily fantasy, all that. So just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years of age or older. New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only right now. New customers only. $5 minimum bet. $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you got a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. So yeah, that's the Basketball Podcast Network. That's where the TBPN comes from. Y'all just keep that in mind. Any other team you want to check out, just go over there. We got you covered. Now we're going to cover the rest of the game. Look at what the players did individually. What we liked, what we didn't like. I mean, I'm excited about the Nikhil and Dante Graham backcourt. But with the new coach, new players trying to learn a new system, it's tough to beat, again, the playoff team. It's picking where they were from last year. And I didn't expect greatness, but they started showing some flashes of potential. And Philly's a tough team, even without centers. They still got some different defenders. Tyrese Maxey, Joel Embiid, they're doing what they can. I just wanted to see an effort and a pro level of basketball. I think we did see that and much more. That backcourt exceeded our expectations. I think they'll play a lot together. I don't know if they'll stick around as a starting unit because when Zion comes back, we need to bump one of them to the reserves just so we have more of a a scoring punch off the bench. The most encouraging thing, the most encouraging thing about that backcourt was not the points. It was only 13 turnovers throughout the whole team, so they helped direct this offense pretty well. Yeah, Brandon Ingram hounded the ball a lot. He actually had four of those turnovers. Uh, and 28 assists is good, too. This team was sharing the ball. They were taking care of the ball. They were more or less matched the Sixers on the glass. And, I mean, really, we just run into a talent problem tonight. It felt like it was mostly from the bench. But we got young guys that need to develop and fill those gaps. This team still feels like it's a year away from competing. And that if, if that's the case so be it but we need zion back and we need this team to play more together before we can really judge that i actually think it would be an kill to the bench because of his defense i think he's just got more length and height and scoring punch by himself that he could bring to the team you're gonna have to maybe bump Najee marshall in because josh hart is hurt it's gonna take him at least a few games to get back he may sit out most of this roads road game or road trip i'm hearing Maybe he just plays one of the Minnesota games. I don't look to see him featured heavily in Chicago. If he does come back that quickly, it'll be just out of sheer determination and wanting to be there for his team and really trying to battle for Coach Green. And really, it'd be a sign of this team wanting to battle through things. Uh, But for for the betterment of the long term, both for Josh's health and this team, I'd rather him be fresh for maybe that last game at Minnesota, so we can at least steal one from them with a very healthy roster, not someone that's trying to play through a nagging injury that 
that you you got to be a hundred percent in this game. Me and Coach Dumas and Coach Roy have talked about this on the podcast before. Please, if you haven't heard it, go back and listen to some of them coaching series with with all the coaches from Coach Ron at USM down to yeah Coach Roy, Coach Dumas, Coach Micah Hagen's over at Bonneville. We did all that, but it, the hundred percent matters. If you're at ninety-seven percent, that last two or three percent, that what that's what takes somebody from being high-level college to pro, from European pro to G League, from G League to the NBA, NBA to All Star. Like that's what differentiates these guys so much more than talent is also just being able to do it. There, that, that that's just it. It matters so much, and that's why I don't want to see Josh Hart rush back. I forget if it was Joel or Antonio Daniels who did mention, and I hope that it it come across that, you know, Hart was on the court as a coach for the defense. Things went downhill when he got hurt, and yet we need more players who can step up and be that vocal coach on D. But this is game one of a new system. We had a super young team. Josh prides himself on defense and mixing and matching and doing what he can that way. More people will step up as the season moves on, but you really seen what he brought to this team when he wasn't on the court. And it was defense. It wasn't so much offense because as as much as we've tried to put Josh Hart in, we, I don't know if we've ever played him in a proper position that helps him showcase his skill set and his talents. And it winds up that he's kind of not that great at all the things you would want from a guard in, in the position we're putting at him. And his best skills are most traditionally seen as forward skill sets. So that's why he gets matched up against guys who are bigger, faster, stronger. And he's got to work himself around and really battle for everything he gets in this game. It takes a toll, but he's getting paid for it. That's what he got the new contract for, and that's what he brings to this team. Same for Najee Marshall, who would be replacing him. They both need to find a three-point shot. Najee and Josh both have to find some way to bring more offense to this team, or the Pelicans will be flirting with that play-in and not the sixth seed like we, we really hope they could. But until Josh is back, Najee will probably get plugged into that starting hole, I hope. He still won't play a ton of minutes. There'll be a lot of rotation out of that spot. We need, and that's, again, because we need shooting in the worst way all out of that position. It'll come off the bench. Hopefully, in some way, Trey Murphy gets gets his game going. But Najee's effort on defense isn't enough to keep him on the court when the other team's lighting it up from three. Philly was just going off. All of their shooters, instead of... Don't want don't to say it because we try and be family-friendly here and not cuss, but... Oh, Furcan, he was he was making them from sitting on the can. It didn't matter where he was at in the gym. He was he was hitting, and, and we needed somebody to just bump him off his game. That's supposed to be Najee and Josh, and if they can't do that and they're not bringing anything on offense, then the rotation's going to have to start looking a little bit different, and those guys are going to have to start looking at packing their bags and being included in a trade so this team can bring in a 3 and D that brings both the 3 and the D. At the same time, we can't mix and match those skill sets up and down the roster. We need somebody on the court that can do both things. And I got a news flash for the front office. Garrett Temple and Thomas Sadaransky, those guys ain't the answer. We've seen that on the first night. They're not going to be long-term answers to help in a playoff rotation. Once this gets shortened up, once we're really battling, yeah, it's great that Temple's got the homecoming story and he can help coach from the end of the bench. But we really got to start looking at moving Sadoransky like ASAP and see what we can get out of him. Or that, that Lonzo trade is going to start looking a lot worse in, in terms of return because we, we didn't get a lead point guard back. And we didn't get too much punch off the bench back. 
that was apparent against the Eastern Conference team like Philly. What are we going to do in the Western Conference, which is even deeper? And we're going to get tested more and more every night. There's a reason Sadoransky was surplus to requirements in Chicago, and they were still just battling for a low-off playoff seed over in the East. Come on now. Come on now. we got to get better. we got to start trying to actually get better. As a team and looking at the coaching, I think we can all – I think it was apparent, like everybody in the Chris Connor spaces on Twitter mentioned that going under screens just killed us this game. And at first some people thought, uh, you know, this could be part of the game plan depending on the personnel. But then the kill went under a screen and Philly was hot. They nailed a three. Afterwards, Nikhil patted his chest like, that's on me. And it's like, no shit, it's on you. No, 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 of course it's on you. Why are you going and not fighting through screens to to maybe keep this bleeding, stop the bleeding, and it just gets worse from there? You can't be patting your chest in the moments. You got to put it on your chest. You got to carry it and go through that screen. You got to start fighting through that, and that's part of getting better. Because if you think Philly's bad, wait till Steph Curry's up over there doing that. That's the same thing he crushed the Pelicans with in those playoff series way back in the day when Drew and AD was still in town. And if you just go under screens all night, you're giving him more of an opportunity. That's not something we can do against some of the guards that's coming up. I mean, we probably can't even do it against Lonzo when we go play Chicago in a day. You definitely can't do it when you come back home and play against Trey Young. So that's, that's one part of getting better. The next part of just getting better talent-wise so that Garrett Temple and Sadoransky's not seeing the court it's Trey Murphy. One, he was stuck in the corner on offense. I think he was kind of limited on offense this game. They got to find a way to free him up, get him going. But he was getting a ton of coverage. The defense was paying attention to him. And now he's got to adjust. It'll make him better. It'll make the team better. We'll all be better for it. But at parts, he was he was awful out there on his off-ball D. He was just kind of looking like he was running around and lost. And I'm not sure if it was nerves or him being taken out of the game or trying to play within the game plan more than just play his game. But we're all cheering for him. We, I'm sure he'll come around. He's going to hit a 6 for 9, 6 for 8, 7 to 10 shooting night from 3. It'll all be well, and we'll all love Trey Murphy even more than we already do after an off night. And I missed the note about Jonas Valanciunas to bring it up. I mean, I think we'll all love him even more once we get through this stretch. He won't face such a hard task, but... If y'all watched, he was doing a lot more talking, especially with him and Josh Hart on the court. They were really helping hold this team together on defense. Josh left. Jonas was still out there talking a lot more than any of the other players. It was noticeable during like the free throw breaks. And you would see him directing the kill on a play. And it looked like he was kind of calling plays during free throws for something to do after, depending on if it was a rebound or uh, you know a made free throw. But Jonas was getting after him, and you seen the kill after one. It was right after the ball was inbounded. Jonas was already setting up the pick and roll down the court, waving the kill through on through the pick, passed off the roll back to the kill, easy layup, bang, and then they both like fist clenched after the store, and it was like they they knew it. It was something they put together, and it was working. As we see more of that, we're gonna like a lot more of it. I don't know how much much more we can see of Jackson Hayes flying around and doing what he's doing, he's really going to have to figure out a way to get it together and really help because he's got no composure. He can't be a starter because if he starts slow, it's over, and he might be in his head. 
but you got to kind of work him in. I, I'm not worried about his energy. I'm just worried about his execution. I'm just not sure it's going to be there, and that's why. That's why one, I'm glad we have Jonas Valanciunas, and they sign him to that extension, is it gives him more time to develop. At the end of this year, Zion will get his max contract extension. I don't think he'll sign the qualifying offer. He'll definitely get it. Go ahead and just secure the bag, especially with his injury history. Nikhil coming off of the game he had, the season he had, the offseason, the expectations, the way this front office has hyped him up. I think he might be in line for a contract extension. It'll just come down to him wanting to bet on himself, maybe go to the fifth-year option and maybe try and get a little bit more money later. But I could see the Pelicans trying to lock him up long-term as well getting ahead of it, not waiting like they did for Brandon Ingram's extension or waiting it out and doing the Lonzo trade when, when they decided he was just no longer in the plans. But Jackson Hayes is a lot tougher of a call. He just hasn't shown enough. And why would you pay him $10 million in a fifth-year option, $12 million, $15 million after that, depending on what he would want? If he's not ready for the starter minutes, you got Jonas in the house and Willie Hernan Gomez is sitting there, Big Billy, just gonna he gonna do the same job for two million dollars and be very happy about it. Jackson Hayes was upset going back to just getting left off of the all rookie teams and for the all star games and stuff. So we got to see how he matures and how he develops, especially going after the, through the off season he had. We're still awaiting some words there. We'll see if that investigation ever plays out and how it unfolds and how that affects him. So there you have it, Pelicans fans. We're about 30 minutes in. That's the Protect the Nest podcast. If y'all could, just give us a five-star review. Trying to bring on some more guests here lately. Got a whole bunch of people from Music Movies and Hoops lined up as we try and ramp up that podcast that'll be launching. And that'll just be wide-ranging. If y'all want to enjoy something like that, come on over. But the positive of this game, Brandon Ingram went out and got his. That's fine. He's going to try and lead by example more than vocally. We've got our vocal leaders in Josh Hart and Jonas Valanciunas. Willie Green's still learning on the job. He's got to take that technical. Like I say, that's my biggest mark against him. But Nikhil, Devontae Graham looked good. The only negatives out of this game was the bench not scoring any points. I think that gets better once Zion is back. Jackson Hayes just looking lost. Josh getting hurt, and the refs not giving B.I. any foul calls. Other than that, there were some positives, even though it was a blowout. And, and yeah. Thank you all for listening. We're going to come back to you after the Chicago game, see if anything got better, how Alonzo's looked against Nikhil. I want to see who matches up against Lonzo, how personally he takes it. We're going to get into all that because you all know I, ha- I-, I had to bets with Lonzo. And I got to say, if I had to bet somebody in Chicago right now, I think he's going to do very well until he's placed in that big moment. And on them big stages against the national TV games and gets in the playoffs, he's still got a few years of learning. But we'll see if I'm right. Y'all tell me if I'm wrong. Check me out on Twitter, at Doing It Dotson, at Unfiltered Dunks for the Protecting Nest podcast. Y'all take it easy. Enjoy this weather. It's not going to stay like this forever, but it will be like this for the Saints game on Halloween against the Buccaneers. We're all going to be building up to that. I might even have some giveaways. So y'all stick around. Until then, protect your nest.